Hi, everyone. I'm Delilah Jones, the host of Imagine Publicity on Air, where I share featured guests from a variety of fields like authors, activists, and artists interspersed with occasional marketing tips for business, individuals, and nonprofits. So if you feel the need, um, I can be reached at imaginepublicity.com. You know, children are born into circumstances beyond their control and often suffer the traumas of their parents and even their grandparents. And childhood trauma can manifest itself in many ways in adulthood and create a cycle which is very difficult to break. My guest today, Elizabeth Paris, was such a child without her mother from age two. She's living in crowded conditions with other relatives with their own issues. She was full of self-doubt and had no confidence in her abilities, but she found a way to overcome and live a full life. And she shares her story in her book, Scared to Be Me, with the hope that it inspires other young girls to find their way. Welcome aboard, Beth. Um, Can you give us a little brief background about yourself and what inspired you to write Scared to Be Me? Um, All right. So what really inspired me um, to write my book? So a bit about me. I uh, live in a Caribbean country. And, you know, I didn't, like you said, I, I didn't come up with the easy life. Um, I was known as, like, the black sheep, and I know a lot of people can relate to that, you know, the, the, the one that's not loved, not, you know, everybody favors the other sibling, and you are, like, trash in the family, you know. So, you know, you come up no loving, no, you don't know what love is, you don't know how you're supposed to be treated. So, therefore, you know, you go into adult life and you upset what? your idea of love, what love is supposed to be. Um, so that's just a little bit about my background. Um, I, you know, had very low self-esteem. And the most important person that I lost was my grandmother when I was 12 years old. And that crushed me because after losing her, um I basically, and like I said in my book, you know, my life basically went to dirt because after that I was living from house to house and, you know, no one wanting me, low self-esteem. No, I didn't love myself at all. I was one of those people that when I got mad at myself, I was, like I have a slap in my forehead. So if you were to ever meet me, Delilah, I will show you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a slap in my forehead that I, you know, people don't really see it, but I know it's there. Um, because the reason why I, I can I see it is because I remember like one time I got so mad at myself for doing probably some silly thing, dropping something or whatever. Um, and I literally banged my head at this edge, uh, you know, like the side of your door, there's like an edge like on the wall. Um, so like the edge of a wall, I banged my head there like several times. Yeah, and and the like planting my little head. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have any brain damage, and I seem to be all here. <laughs> well, that, well, that is good um, to know. And, it, you know, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because there's so many different ways that, you know, teenagers, young adults, even children act out when they're in this type of pain or 
you know, these sort of things are going on in their lives. So, you know, I guess that's something that you did as a way to dull the pain by adding more pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, I literally will, like, pull. I remember one time I was so upset that I had to go back to this particular house. Um, that was the day that I nearly slept on the streets, really, because no one wanted to act. I got put out from one house, and then no one wanted to, none of my family, I mean, my family has, like, massive houses. That day, like, me being there is like, hmm, you know, nothing. They have extra rooms and stuff. And no one wanted me, you know. They all said no. My goodness, counselor was pulling out her here. And then I ended up having to go back to the place where I knew that they didn't want me completely. Uh, and that night, I mean, I, I, I literally mourned my grandmother from, well, in my head at that time, well, in my adulthood, I thought, from the age of seven, the age of 12 to the age of 17, um, not knowing that actually I was mourning her all my adult life still in the, in the things that I rejected, like anyone being nice to me, I would push them away from me, right? Because obviously any, any real loving person coming into my life, I always pushed them away. Uh, and I only recognized that after I broke up my husband, you know, doing some... Um, real self-searching and because the first time I loved myself I was 31 going 32 years old well, you know you say, you, you say that you know you bounced around from home to home of different family members but why didn't anyone step in to help you was there any government agencies available or any resources available from your community that you could have taken advantage of well um, if anything, I, I would probably be put into a home, you know, and I didn't want to go there. Um, so, therefore, I didn't, like, call or try to reach out or whatever because I used to hear a lot of stories and I didn't want to put myself in that. <laughs> um, and so, basically, how the house the house came is my uncle, my, my grandmother died to put the house in the wrong uncle's name, the bad uncle. The one that I don't even convey his family now. Um, but anyhow, he she put it in his name, and he con- he tormented us. And that was, when I say us, me, 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 and my sister, every single day to leave. And like he literally made us miserable. He even got his friend that lived a couple doors down to call us and and tell us how he wants to do inappropriate things to us, like touch us and uh, ugh. I mean, this old man, this gray, gray here, he could be my great-grandfather, you know. Um, so that was a little bit traumatizing um, for me. Um, and then, what else? Oh, and then, so then I, I remember one time I, I saw a cousin, and she she was writing on her own, but she was really, really nice. And she said, well, come and live with me, but she ended up not able to pay her rent. Um, I lived with her at least for six months. And then she wasn't able to pay her rent, so then she had to move back home. But where she was moving, like her mom didn't have enough space for me to come. So then after that, um, my uncle, which is a good one, he, but the time he had lived like in a one-bedroom apartment, so he wasn't able to to have me there with him. Um, and then I had to move. I, he got me into his girlfriend's house, his girlfriend's family house. 
but we knew because I, I knew them from growing up um, obviously because we used to go there and vacations and stuff you know and as well while I was there because I was the outside of, really I should be the outsider of their family like I we had I had like a younger I call her cousin but she's really not family but um, I had a younger cousin that was there with me. She was, like, two years younger than me. And, like, because I was one of those, because obviously back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. So, you know, you, you're so happy to get home to just talk on the phone with your friends. And really and truly, that was the ideal situation for me. Just being at home, talking on the phone, and I am fine. And so there were a lot of older women that lived at themselves. They didn't really go on the phone. So And then the... Other girl, when my cousin would come down, she would be on the phone a lot. But when she was there, she got to use it. Well, when I'm on it, it was a problem, you know. Um, and I'm like, but what's the problem? It's like, y'all have to wait for anybody call it in, you know. So I, I just think that it's because it was me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I well, you know, you, you also mentioned. Oh. Go on. You also mentioned, you know, earlier that your sister, you have a sister, and she was very favored by your family. What what kind of advantages was she afforded that you weren't, and how did you feel about that growing up? I mean, were you close with her, or um, did, you grow, did you grow apart because of this? Um, well, we're interested. My and my sister weren't really close from young. So you, I don't even know. I can't remember even days of probably my favorite another. But I was like a antisocial girl, really. Uh, my sister is more friendly and stuff. But um, what happened is how she was favored. Um, then, so basically, it might sound a little bit racist, but. My, so my my mother's mixed, so my family is mixed. I am like the darker part where I look like my father's side, so I'm full brown skin, where she now looks like my mother's side, which is like clear white, you know, that kind of look. Um, and so therefore, so my family, so they are, for, I'll give you the example. First time I recognized it was, um, I remember my, because my mom was meant to be out. She had told me that, you know, when you got older, I was really young, but I could, I could really remember when exactly she told me this. But she said, when you, when you get around our, my family, you're going to realize that they favor, you're going to favor your sister more because of her color. So don't feel anything about, is about you. It's just know that it's just they're going to favor her because of her color. And I was like, mm, my mother's like a little crazy. Who takes her on? Anyhow, um, so but one day my sister, we used to go by this aunt. Then my grandmother was alive. We used to go spend weekends away her. And I never used to really go on my own. And then sometimes I might go on my own. But anyhow, and then I remember when my sister came home with a pen. And like this really good, you know, you're at school, so you see a really good pen. And you're like, I was like, oh, where did you get that? She said, well, I got it from auntie. You know, when you go up this weekend, definitely ask her for once. Because she has a whole bunch, like a whole stack that she bought like a whole bundle from the, from the store so I said so she told me where to go look and see where these pens will be to make sure that she still has them before I go out I said no problem so when I got up and I looked where my sister told me the pens were and I went and I asked her I said well um auntie can I can I have a pen one of those pens that that you give my sister and she said nope I don't have any more first step next one 
the same this this same act she accused me for stealing her pens up to this um I had a situation where I had um uh when my ex when me and him were dating your we boyfriend girlfriend and he was over at her house and my aunt now her house is not she's one of those messy people. So I don't wear jewelry. So even if you see me right now, I don't even have on earrings. All because I only put on earrings if I have to do a video or something for our social media. But I don't wear jewelry at all. And so she accused me now at this time. Mind you, she had a strange man in her house. She didn't say it was him that probably took her, her ring now that she's missing. She blamed me. And she literally had my cousin that was that. My, this is this. Well, I should have backtracked and not tell you the story first. I'll continue this one, then I'll tell it backtrack. Um, and she basically was telling my cousin that I stole her pens when I was younger, and so she's convinced that I stole her ring. So I told my cousin, I feel it, because she called me multiple times, and I was we were out at um, my ex-friend's um, house, and he, she was literally right there coaching my cousin so the next morning I was like my cousin called me to apologize and she said you know I'm so sorry that I did that to you last night you know because you know I just want to call you to let you know that it, I didn't think that you stole anything although we found the ring afterwards you know I didn't think that we, you stole anything but she, and she was so convinced that it was you and I was like but I've never had an incident with you um stealing anything I said well my I don't sent from anyone you know I don't take up things that aren't mine I don't want it uh, and I literally brought on crying I because she was planning to call a, a, a police officer a friend of hers to get me locked up for something that I didn't do um, and it's only because this co- this cousin because I was helping her with her kids she um, she ended up seeing the ring where I told her well I Look on the messy desk that she has there because she's very messy and see if you see it there because I don't wear jewelry, you know. Um, so I literally cried. I, I I dropped my knees like everything went weak in me. I felt like shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Well, you know, I think it's important to have this discussion because, you know, this still goes on everywhere where there's where there's actual racism within a family. And yeah, I think it's it's something that's very important to talk about and get out in the open and and try and figure out some solutions to this because it really, I mean, you you suffered through it and you know your life was yeah. was miserable because of the color of your skin. That mm-hmm. just I don't know. I just think it's it, so listen, wrong. <laughs> Delilah, it was so obvious. That even when me and my sister would get away, like, get, like, in an argument, she would literally say, that's why our family loves me more than you. Oh. It was that obvious. That we yeah. as children knew it. You yeah. know? It was that obvious that she could ask them, even in my adult. So, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, this is sometimes not in my book because it's happened recently. So I moved out from my controlling husband, obviously, I have that all in the book. Now, I'm trying to get myself, like, you know, up and running on my own, you know, the whole idea, you know, always want to have your own space. But in moving house, I um, was moving from 
one place, and I, my uncle now, he has an empty house, completely empty. And my sister had just moved out of this house because her boyfriend died, but then she moved up because she didn't like the area. I'm not partial on area. I don't care about area. I just was think I just wanted, you know, a place to stay. This is an empty house that he has. I called him and I asked him, um, Uncle, well, you know, the house that my sister just moved out of, is it possible that I can at least stay there? You know, I'll pay all the bills and everything, um, you know, just so I can get myself on track or whatever. And he said, no. Mm. That's it. You know, so really and truly, you know, I, I made a, a promise to myself. I'm going to never, ever, 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 ever ask my family for anything. And this is why, too, I don't... Well, my, my daughter is actually the color that they will love. And they've probably seen pictures of her before, and they will love me to take her around them. No. My daughter would never, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever know that side of my family. Oh, and that's I, sad. Well, you know, you, you finally... I I just want to go, you finally ended up living with your, what you called your best friend boyfriend. Um, Can you talk about how that relation slowly kind of isolated you from friends and families? And after you were married, how how did that relationship change? Ooh, okay. So so for this one now, so that part now is... um, he was what my idea of love was. You know, somebody so nice to you, they do anything for you, you know, they you know, but I, I was young, I mean I was only eighteen years old. Uh, and then um then we were first when we were first together, what he would do is like he would buy me like, you know, the the one gift that I really, really wanted, like the camera, you know, and you think like, Wow, he's got love me because he spent all this money on this camera Woo-hoo. um and what he did over time because like i was i obviously had like a, just a small set of friends that he would say like i don't like you to be around this particular cousin i had a cousin the same cousin that helped me when i was younger uh i don't like you being around her because um she's a bad influence but i'm like but what i'm older now and even so she never in, tried to influence me to do anything you know, um, she always was a more protector of me. But that was just his way of starting the isolation process. And what he would do is anyone that came close to me, so let's say I met you and, we, and you know, we hit it off as, as girls or whatever, he will look for something that you said about, you know, oh, I, I slapped somebody, you know. I don't think she's a good influence she could get you into trouble because, you know, who knows who there she would go slap or whatever. And, you know, and he would go off on this thing and then he would start to make up stories. And his stories will be so truth in your head because, I mean, if somebody can make you feel like the thing that just happened. So, like, let's say that you move a particular pen. So, the, the, whatever you have on your desk, you have your microphone, right? So, you take your microphone and you put it across on the left hand side and when you came back you but you on but you didn't he moved it on the right hand side 
your right hand side is your wrong side that it should not be. And because he wanted it to be on the left hand side, although he moved it to the right, he wants to blame you for it. So then he's going to tell you and convince you that you did move it to the right. Although in your head that you knew that that's not what you did. So what he, he, he didn't only just isolate me from people by, make, by making up stories about exaggerating on their stories or whatever or, you know, just finding some fault with, you know, them not being right fit or, you know, I don't think that you should go this way. So I was a party person, not somebody to go parties every weekend, but I would like to go to some carnival, you know, party or whatever. He didn't like partying, so I was not allowed to party. He didn't like drinking alcohol, so I wasn't even allowed to have a glass of wine. You know, I had to stop all these things because he didn't like them. So he wanted me, his his safety area was once I'm home and I am just sitting in front of the TV and I am doing nothing else but trying to, to do whatever it is to serve him, he's fine. From the time I step out of that cage, it was a problem. Well, yeah. Stand it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to give away all the stories in your book because you know some I, of them. <laughs> I think you know readers. Readers will get a lot out of scared to be me and maybe see a, a little bit of themselves in some of the experiences that you've had, you know, no matter what kind of background they come from. Um, mm-hmm. But you finally came to a point where you, you know, you lost your grandmother and suppressed the grief then. You lost your first daughter at birth and and because you were more worried about your husband, you suppressed your grief for that as well. And finally, mm-hmm. you were able to find a way to release your hurt and release your grief. Can you tell what happened? Okay, How were so you able to for, do for that? My, so for my daughter, I was able to release the grief for her while I was writing the book. So the thing is, the inspiration for the book, which is the question you asked earlier, uh, really came from a best-selling author called Michael Happel. He did, he does right now a write that book masterclass. He does a pop-up group where you share your title, you know, a chapter from your book. And when I shared what I considered as a chapter, well, a, a paragraph actually. It was really a whole chapter in one paragraph that I put there because I'm no writer, you know. I I I just I just say that. And then I, that people commented, they were like, oh, my God, this is, and I can't read all of it. You know, it's hard. And he literally private messaged me and told me, you need to do my master class because your story needs to be told. Um, so that was the inspiration. And in writing my book, and I, being a part of the master class and understanding how to expand my story and really dig deep into my emotions, then that's how I was able to really release that part of losing my daughter, I literally broke down and cried in front of my computer. And I'm sure when you were reading, you could tell that, that I was literally crying. I think I did mention it as well. For my grandmother, that was the biggest thing. With her now, then me and my husband broke up. I made a promise to myself. I was looking to get into another relationship, completely enjoying single life, by the way. 
Uh, I was not looking into doing that, but I was looking on working on me, finally learning how to love me, finally le- learning how to break myself from a lot of pain that I, I know that I was carrying, but I knew I had to do a lot of things. I didn't know how to go about it. So first thing I did was I messaged a lot of my friends, or what I thought was friends at the time, and I asked them, what is it about me that you, what flaws do you think that I have, basically? And the one brave, true friend I would say I have did tell me, you push away good people every single time. Every single time somebody's good to you, you push them away. And you have a tendency to consistently do that. Um, and I was like, whoa. So that one hit me really hard because I was not looking for that. And so I literally went on a, asking myself, you know, we always want to ask external people how to fix us. But sometimes it's good to ask ourselves how to fix us because we have the, 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 the solutions within. And I asked myself, I mean, not saying that you don't need people, you don't need coaching, and, and you know, that those things can't help. But when all else, and you, you don't have anything else, and you don't know what to do, I started to ask myself, why do we push away good people? And I asked myself this over and over, like, for an entire week, every single day, I asked myself this. And one morning, as, as I was earning my daughter's uniform, and I asked that question, and I heard a reply loud and clear because I'm telling you God replies to you when you are ready for it when you're really open for the answer and I heard loud and clear in my head you never forgive your grandmother for dying I was like what whoa you know and, and so right there and then I said you know what I'm going to write her a letter and that's the first idea that I came with I said, I'm going to write her a letter. The next week, the next day, actually, I was driving, going home, and I was like, right, let me find a parking spot. And I literally drove into an active car park, really. Um, I drove someplace that was active, but I drove where I, where I drove, although it was an active place where it was, it was more of an isolated part of the where I was, right? And I drove near streetlight. And I literally took out my pen and paper that I brought with me. That I had in my because I always walk with stuff in my car. And I sat down in my car and I wrote my grandmother a letter. Like, and she was right there with me. Like if I was talking to her, I told her every single bad thing that happened to me, every single thing I went through. You know all the different things. And then I also expressed to her why, um, why I why I was mad at her for dying because I felt like if, you know, if she didn't die, none of these things would have happened to me, you know. Uh, I was crying that sometimes I had to literally, like, wipe tears off my face because I couldn't see the paper. And when I was finished, I sobbed, well, not sobbed, I really cried. I cried like a baby. In the backseat of my car, I am bawling my eyes out, and I did that for an hour. And then when I calmed myself down, and then I got, then I happy myself up, you know, there's some little smiling and stuff. So when I got home, because I was living then, back then with my husband, and we have broken up by now, obviously. Um, and so I didn't want, when I go home, I look sad or anything like that. And so when I got home, I was, I was good. And then the following week after that, what I did is that I, um, went and looked for her grave 
So I found out where her grave was, and then I took a, um, I took my best friend at the time. I took I took my best friend to, for emotional support. So when I read her the the message, the letter at the grave, and I read it to her there too, I cried a bit, but it wasn't as bad as before, and I felt a little bit lighter this time. And then I said, you know what, I have to get rid of this now. I, I did the writing, I did the reading it to her. How can I get rid of this letter? I'll burn it. And I literally, it was all just, it was nothing planned. It was just coming along, right? And I, I said to him, go, listen, find me a spot on an island that is isolated, that we can burn, bury this and burn it. And because I heard Lisa Nichols or somebody talk about something like this. So I, well, burning stuff. So I basically met up with him. We went, he found a spot, we dig a hole, and we put a letter in it, and we made it on fire. And as the smoke was going up, I could feel like something was completely lifting off of me. And my attitude really changed. You know, like a lot of me changed from that moment. And I mean change for the good. You know, so releasing. I think it's amazing how one one little moment in someone's life, whether you know, what whatever it can be, can change things and and it sounds it sounds kind of cliche, but it's really true. And now you are in a place where you're mentoring others and coaching them and where can where can people contact you that are interested in uh, what you have to offer? Oh, I have a website called scaredtobeme.com. And then on my website, well, as you scroll, so you'll, you'll see the book when you first go on the website at the top. But maybe if you scroll down, you'll see a form there to fill out. And I give a free consultation to, to see, you know, if we're a good fit to work with each other. Plus, still, I like to make sure if the person that wants, says that they want to work with me is really ready to take action. Because, you know, some Very people good. want therapy. Some people mm-hmm. need therapy and help for coaching. And, you, and we have to send them to, to, you know, you need to go get therapy before you can get coaching. You know, right. And, well, and I will make sure that all of, I will make sure that, you know, the links and everything are in the show notes. And also, um, your book is available on Amazon or do you sell directly through your website? Oh, so no, it's available on Amazon. It's also available, I have to probably update my website with this. It's also available on Apple on the Apple store and it is available on in the Barnes and Noble store as well. Great. And I'll put links to those too. And then you're also the host of a podcast called Be Brave, Be Strong, Be Me, which, you know, people, you can listen to it on, you know, any of your popular podcast platforms. And, um, I think it's it's a great little podcast where you give snippets of of things that are going on in your life or have gone on in your life. So I I listened to several of the episodes the other day and I was most impressed. Thank you. So oh, our, 
<laughs> Our time's up, I'm sorry to say, because I could I think I could go on and talk with you for another hour. So <laughs> I really appreciate you taking your time to come on to you know, have this conversation today. I think it's a very important conversation and I think your book is very important as well. So I hope, you know, listeners will will go to your bookstores go to amazon or barnes and noble and or wherever you can and get a copy of scared to be me learn about how beth overcame and and all the stories of her life it's just you know it's it's not i wouldn't call it disturbing so much as you really ran in you really had a rough life and and i'm very pleased to say that you've overcome very well so thanks so much for listening today, and please follow Imagine Publicity on air wherever you're listening to this podcast for future episodes. 